Well, hello folks and welcome to We The Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you are going to get to know everything, everything, everything that everything? you need to know, everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's and women's national team. I'm Inamo S. Clayton and I am a rapper. Yo, so Ty. Uh, and I, what do I do? I run a web design company most <laughs> you know, of the what, time. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And when we I'm not love. Potting. <laughs> and we love the Nats. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Folks, there was no game. You know that as well as I do. Don't be ridiculous. We're here because we got an awesome opportunity to talk with a, a pretty interesting and um, amazing person named Michael Holstein. So this guy's making Not a document. Not Holstein, baby. The Holstein. This guy's making a documentary. They reached out to us. Uh, we were obviously mega interested because, as you'll as you'll hear, this documentary is like our dream come true when it comes to uh, soccer media. So, uh, Ty, anything else to add before we go ahead and dive into the uh, interview? Uh, no, just want to encourage people to check it out. It was really cool talking to Michael, and I think people will will really enjoy it. Where I'm, I'm super psyched to see the film for sure and uh, spread the word when it comes out. And folks, please check out DC Scores. Uh, if you if you don't do anything else, it's easy to wait for this movie to show up on your on your on your streaming service uh, to be determined. Um, but if you have a second, check out DC Scores. Uh, it's from, from what I'm learning, the work they're doing there is really cool, really important, and uh, really in line with the values of the peeps. So do that. Enjoy our interview with Michael Hole, not half Steve. All right, folks, we are here officially live and in person with the one, the only Michael Holstein, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Oh, so are we. Could not be more psyched. Michael, you're putting together a documentary. It's about soccer. And from the uh, preview that we got to check out, I think that we are going to align on a lot of our values uh, about the game. But uh, why don't I hand it over to you, Michael, just quickly. Could you tell the people uh, the sort of elevator pitch for what this project is and what you're putting together? Yeah, so Soccer in the City is a feature-length documentary um, about, uh, spoiler alert, Soccer in the City. Um, and specifically, <laughs> it's about sort of why America has always lagged behind every country in the world, not just in soccer in general, but in particular with with integrating it into cities. You know, it's such an easy game to drop into cities. You don't need a full pitch. You know, you can put a mini pitch anywhere. Uh, and every other country in the world does that um, and really has this kind of street soccer culture. Um, and there's there's great inroads being made and we're starting to get better at it. But we we're super far behind and because for so long soccer has been kind of conscribed to be the white suburban sport um you know the talent pool has suffered inevitably um we haven't put resources into recruiting kids for the city growing the games in the city making city kids you know dribble a soccer ball as easily as they pick up a basketball 
Um, so our film is going to kind of look at how that's happened, why that's happened, and what might be the effect when, you know, 10, 12, whatever years down the road, there's, there's kids playing soccer on the streets of New York or D.C. or wherever, uh, and what effect that might have on the men's national team and our, our talent pool in general. So what's the number one reason that you, that, that you ascribe to this phenomenon? I mean, what happened? You know, in the in the early 20th century, kind of all sports were relatively new. And I know soccer was happening here in the U.S. I think the U.S. played uh, an international in like the I think it was even the 1800s. Yeah, no, can't be right. But but really, really well, early. I mean, the U.S. was was on on it with soccer. What happened and how did how did we get to this place? Yeah, like in the 1930s, I think uh, our World Cup team had a nice run. Um, and then, you know, it sort of died as far as being a sport people cared about for like 50 years or something after that. Um, you know, growing up, everybody in the suburbs played soccer. You know, it's just what you did. You had like so the expression soccer mom came from that. Right. So it's always been this recreational sport. But I think there's probably not one reason why it sort of died in America, uh, or at least sort of went dormant, but a bunch of reasons. Um, and I, some are sort of natural and some kind of speak to, I don't know, some of the endemic problems with America. Um, you know, so, you know, I think there was for the longest time, we sort of didn't adapt to it being a city sport. It was seen as you need to have this big patch of green space, you know, so it was inevitably shoved out to the suburbs. Um, that's, you know, kind of the nice way of looking at why it didn't catch on. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the less nice way and maybe the more accurate way is in a lot of ways, we're sort of a xenophobic country. Uh, we like our, you know, like we play baseball, almost most other countries don't. We play football. Nobody else really does. And I think there's always sort of this pride in like American made things uh often to the detriment of other things so you know in part because of that i think people saw soccer as you know choose your adjective but like the suburban sport or the sissy sport or the foreigner's sport or whatever it was and those things just kind of got more and more deep-rooted over time um and you know we're starting to break the cycle for sure and we can talk about that but I think a lot of it's that. Um, and I think maybe the other thing is like we were behind the rest of the world at it. And again, you know, American uh, exceptionalism doesn't really allow us to not be best at things. Um, so rather than dig in and say, hey, how do we become best? I think for a long period of time, you know, people are just like, hey, fuck it. Soccer's not for us. Yeah, um, I hear I hear like leave that for them, that sentiment. Which is such a very like elitist way to lose. Like, oh, we're 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 on purpose being bad at this because we don't want it. Yeah, um, it's a lot of like, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. You know, we're yeah, not good yeah. at this, so we'll just stick to baseball or football. Yeah. Um, and you know, and again, it's always been played, but it's like you know, you you play it when you're eight, ten, twelve years old, or whatever, or you play it if you know. I grew up in a pretty. Uh, a pretty white suburb of DC where everybody played it because it was the safe sport, right? We, our parents wouldn't let us play football so we could play soccer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the past, I don't know, there was obviously, you know, the, the resurgence in the 90s 
it sort of was the second wave. You know, if the 30s was kind of the first flirtation with soccer, the 90s gave birth to the second wave. And I think we're just now starting to see a third wave of soccer development. And that's really mostly what our movie's focused on. Yeah. So you started out, uh, you played as a kid, I'm hearing. And so can you tell me a little bit about how, about your relationship to the game on a personal level and how that evolved into actually doing this project? Was there a moment? Uh, is it a group of friends who decided to do this project? Um, yeah. How did that come about? Uh, yes, yeah, so I grew up playing. Uh, I played, uh, yeah, I played football for like a year and broke my shoulder. And then, um, my, uh, my Jewish mother declared that my football days were over. So uh, I played baseball and soccer uh, all through high school. Um, and uh, eventually I made my way. I had kind of a circuitous college career with a little break in the middle. But uh, when I went back to school, I went to University of Miami and uh, ended up playing there on like a club level team. There wasn't varsity for men. It's a varsity sport for women uh, because Title IX obviously were traditionally a football school, so that sucks up a lot of scholarships. But I played uh, on the men's team there um, just for a year uh, until I realized that I kind of sucked at it, um, and it wasn't really uh, it wasn't worth it anymore. Like I enjoyed it, but you know I could play for like my fraternity team instead of playing at a sort of higher level but um but during that time uh, a friend of mine who was on my team was from england and said listen you gotta you gotta pick a premier league team to root for it's the best league in the world and it'll make you a fan and you know this was right around you know the 90s resurgence of it and you could root for the men's national team in the u.s but outside of that there was nothing to really follow um so he says you know pick a team for whatever reason so uh, at the time, I was a big fan of uh, Oasis, of the band Oasis. Oh, boy. Here uh, we go. And they were Man City guys, um, still are. So I picked Man City and I told my buddy this. He goes, oh, Man City. Fuck off with Man City. They're terrible. <laughs> no, well, yeah, they you're like OG. Oasis. You're OG if yeah, you got like, in oh, there you in mean the Man United, days. right? No, no, yeah. the blue ones, the blue ones. So, um, so I just started rooting for City. Um, this is in the you know early to mid-90s. Good and, for you, uh, man. Way to get on that. Wait, well, I mean, that. yeah, I can't. It wasn't like I was pulling for the underdogs. It's like, cool, I like Oasis, and that's who they like. So, um, so that just made me a fan of the sport for a while. And then, um, you know, I graduated school and went to work in television, producing TV and movies and things like that. And, uh, and about I've done a lot of unscripted TV, you know, for Travel Channel, Nat Geo, PBS, things like that. And about a year and a half ago, um, a friend sent me a job posting for this organization in DC called DC Scores, which, um, which you know we can talk about. It's an amazing organization. It provides free soccer and more for about 3,000 low-income kids throughout DC, and then nationally there's 12 chapters. Uh, so it serves you know a much bigger number. New York has a really big chapter, and Bay Area of California is big. Um, Los Angeles is big. So a friend sent me a job posting. They were looking for someone to uh, over overhaul their marketing and communications. And for the longest time, I'd wanted a reason to be able to make a soccer movie. Um, so uh, I was running my production company and not really necessarily looking to give that up, but also at the same time, um, kind of excited about the opportunity to do something that interested me, that maybe had a little benefit to society. It's a nonprofit. And that sort of got me out of the, uh, 
I don't know, the Hollywood shithole douchebaggery for a little while, <laughs> um, which I'm still in. So I, yeah. let's, let's edit that part out. Uh, yeah. I love Hollywood stuff. Um, love you guys. Love yeah, you douchebags. Um, but, and I still do that. I still do that stuff too. But uh, there's a chance to do, to do this and, and, you know, to the great credit of this organization, they sort of took a chance on a TV producer to do all their marketing communications with this really pie in the sky idea that I had to, Hey, I'm going to raise us enough money to make a feature length documentary, but it's not going to be a PSA. that's just about how great scores is. It's going to be about soccer in inner city America. And it will use scores as sort of a case study and an example of an organization doing it right. Um, because it's easy, it's there and they are doing it right. Um, so you don't have to kind of force anything in there. Um, so they brought me on and we were able to raise enough money to make the film. And, uh, here we are. If I live through the next two months, we're actually going to get it done. <laughs> you got um, this, Michael. I hope this, so, dude. man. We'll see. So, so tell us why the city, why is the city the answer? Um, yeah, a couple of reasons. Um, you know, look at traditionally where our best athletes come from. You know, it's not Potomac, Maryland, where I'm from. Um, golfers, maybe, but, you know, not competitive team sport athletes. Um, so for one, I think the talent pool is deeper there. The talent pool is untapped there. Um, you know, because the city's, uh, you know, much as the current administration might try to fight it, are still... Uh, the home of a lot of immigrants. We're a nation of immigrants, and traditionally the cities have been home to immigrants. And you know, soccer is huge, obviously, in Latin American countries, European countries, and places where people come to America from. Um, the natural talent pool is deeper there. Um, and also, you know, I guess on the flip side of the coin is to why the cities is that soccer can give back to the cities as much as it can take from it. So it can take talent. It can take this untapped talent base and this fervent fan base. Um, I mean, you see it happening, you know, look at Atlanta, for example, where like soccer is the cool urban sport. Now, um, you know, LA is supporting two soccer teams. that can't support a football team at all. Uh, DC, you know, the other night here, we had the spirit, the women's team sold out Audi field, you know, 20,000 seats. So there's a passion for soccer in the cities. Um, and at the same time, we were talking about earlier, soccer can give back to the cities because it is a really easy sport to drop in. You know, it doesn't require a lot of equipment. It doesn't require a lot of space if you play it, you know, on an urban pitch. Uh, it doesn't require you, like in other sports, to be any particular size or even have, you know, a specialized skill set. I mean, you know, you look at Messi walking down the street, you would never think he's a world-class athlete. Um, you know, and in basketball, you know, obviously there's exceptions, you know, you got a Steph Curry, who's a normal sized guy, but it's, you know, it's a sport of giants and football is a sport where you need certain physical skills. Anybody can play soccer. Um, you just need a little, a patch of space and, you know, you don't even always need a ball. You need something you can kick around. Um, and if you look to every other country in the world, you know, it's been developed out through the cities for the most part. Um, we spent time in making this movie in Paris. Um, the, my co-writer of the film lives there and met this guy um, named Asan Tiem, who is sort of uh, like the Robin Hood of inner city Paris soccer. So when 
clubs want to scout in the ghettos or where Nike, for example, wanted to do a boot launch in, um, in this, in a slum outside of Paris called, um, what's it called? Pablo Picasso, village Pablo Picasso. Uh, they go to this guy, Asan, and he says, cool, come on in. I'll introduce you. I'll set you up, but you have to build a mini pitch and agree to maintain it and provide some boots and, and shirts for the kids to play. Um, and after the world cup, you know, the, France won, what, dozen or so years ago, they went through this rebuilding stage and most of the rebuilding took place from the city uh, where a lot of, you know, the African immigrants were from. So you went from, you know, Didier Deschamps to and Thierry Henry to, you know, Paul Pogba and, and you know, Kylian Mbappe. So uh, there's just, there's case studies at this show. It, it's a successful breeding ground for talent. So you've been kind of like traveling around, checking out different, uh, different, I'll say street soccer scenarios. Um, what's been the biggest surprise for you in this process uh, of discovery? Um, that's a good question. So when we started making this film, um, and you see this in the original sizzle reel, um, sort of we were coming at it from like what's wrong with soccer in america and how do we fix it um and there's still that but one of the things we've discovered in doing this is that it's in process like you know we don't have to start trying to fix it people are doing it um and whether that's a nonprofit like a dc scores or a club like nycfc um which is doing amazing stuff um philadelphia union's doing great stuff or just, you know, individuals, um, you know, Kyle Martino is a huge advocate for it. Um, at NYCFC, they have a guy um, named Paul Jeffries who played professionally in England for a minute um, and runs this program called Saturday Night Lights now at schools up in Harlem um, that are, you know, not just finding players that are going into the pipeline um, for professional development, but also they're bettering themselves and some kids are getting college scholarships for it and things like that. So I guess the big surprise is that there's a thriving culture of soccer, you know, like we'd say, you know, Audi field is, you know, the hot spot in DC Atlanta is just popping all the time. So as a spectator sport, there's a thriving culture. You see more and more people walking around wearing, uh, you know, premier league team jerseys and things like that. But also there are really, there are people doing really cool things in the space um so if i can tell you one i'll tell you one example quickly um we were up in philly filming with the philadelphia union with um mark mckenzie and austin trusty who are both homegrown guys um and you know uh live nearby the stadium and just straight through the pipeline and they're great stories in their own right and the stadium in philly's in chester which is you know about as run down a town as you'll find but um for 30 years, Chester High School hasn't had soccer. They eliminated the program about 30 years ago. And the union has committed to restart it, I think, starting next year. So they're building a pitch. They're committing to fund it, to you know, give them equipment, to provide coaching and all that. So um, I think there are people who like really believe in the power of sport and sort of the democracy of the sport and just doing really, really cool things about it. That's great to hear. Um, I'm curious, like we're we're always thinking shit's about to pop off when it comes to soccer in this. Yeah, I've always felt like, oh, it's just, you know, we're just a couple years away or a couple years away. If only we could get a couple pieces to fall. And I'm not I I, I'm wary of being too optimistic, you know, looking at these signs and thinking like, 
that that this is finally going to happen that like this cultural shift is going to take place because that's that's my dream like and we'll get we'll get more into our history and how you know our, our stories play into this but um how do you assess where we're at and with all these changes and these developments that you've you've been mentioning like do you think that the pace of those changes is increasing like do you think that we're on our way to something different or you know are we kind of like um you know is it is it is it still isolated like should we expect you know big changes soon when do we win the world cup <laughs> well, thank you so that's really we, my question yeah we're hosting it in 7 years so at least we know we'll qualify for that one on the <laughs> that's yeah. uh, 32nd place baby yeah oh no we're only 48th place crap oh man okay yeah, look it's a step in the right direction i mean you have to compete <laughs> in it before you can win it so just getting back into it will help uh Fair, yeah, it's fair. still disappointing. I mean, I watched, you know, this summer, watched all the men's national team games, and it, it's still, it's not a great squad. Um, I think things are changing. I don't know, man. I think we're going to win a World Cup in our lifetime. Yeah, uh, there it yeah. is. But with it, I don't think it's going to be in the next eight years or seven years. Uh, I don't think we're going to win the one we're hosting. Yeah, yeah there's great talent. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting space right now um because we to incubate our talent and make them the best we have to ship them ship them off right so right christian pulisic goes off to chelsea uh because if he stayed here he's not gonna be playing against the best players in the world um so i think there'll, there'll be a little bit of a hurdle with that until you know we get mls i think is really growing and doing great things but it's, it's certainly not on par with the with the big European leagues. Um, yeah. So I think... And it's it, a weird kind of tit for tat with that, where European leagues are becoming more interested in young American players because I think of like the TV viewership and things like that. And so like there was a, a brief moment where it was like maybe MLS was better for development because European teams weren't finding American kids. And then that quickly got eclipsed when European teams became interested in American teams. And we're kind of back to where we were, even though the MLS has like steadily progressed. Yeah. And the weird thing is we have to be careful with who we ship off to the European teams. Cause like, you know, Pulisic is playing, but what good would it do to ship somebody off to play on the best team in the world if they're not getting first team minutes? Right. Um, so, you know, when we talked to Claudio Reyna, um, you know, Gio is, is, 16 or so and you know in that kind of elite group of next level american players and i know for claudio and his family it was hard because you know he's the sporting director for nycfc you know, he's one of the best american players ever obviously he played for man city but i'm sure they would love for geo to be able to stay home um and play you know for nycfc or in the mls pipeline but if he wants to be a world-class player you know he's over at dortmund for a while now uh, so, you know, when that changes, I think it'll help, um, you know, not to go too political, but the current immigration backlash in the country certainly isn't going to help, um, you know, things out if we're not allowing people into the country or well, discouraging yeah. people from coming, you know, that's going to be a hurdle. It does but not help. Like, and it also doesn't help for the second generation people who are, pro who are Americans, 
but who maybe you know, uh, like what's his face, Julian? Was it Julian Gonzalez? Jonathan yeah. Gonzalez, who went? Yep. You know, dude is American, right? But he felt like there just wasn't interest, or you know, he wasn't being nurtured, and so he rightfully, in his for for him and what's best for him, chose to play for Mexico. Yeah, and that sucks for us, and that's on us. But that, that I think that xenophobia that you're talking about is is very much at play there. Yeah, and even like I mean, when we were out filming, um, I think we were in New York. It was when sort of this first round of like uh, talk about like ice raids are going to go out and start rounding up immigrants. And we talked to parents of kids like, oh no, we're not coming out. You know, we're afraid to let our kids go out and play in this league because you know ice knows that it's a lot of of it's all Hispanic kids and it's it's a fertile ground for them to come round people up if they wanted to. So that kind yeah. of stuff is certainly not going to help. But, you know, on the flip side of the coin, like making soccer cool does help. So like what's going on in Atlanta, you know, is amazing. And what the you know, people, what NYCFC is doing with New York, where kids, it's the cool thing to do on a Saturday night to go to this gym and kick around like that's helping. So making soccer cool, it, you know, it helps and you're planting the seeds and maybe it's a generational change that takes us 20 years to get there, but making it cool helps. and also. You know, there's a little football is obviously still king, but there's a I think a small opening, you know, as you see all the backlash to football with CTE and all of that, where parents yeah. aren't going to let their kids play football anymore. I mean, you know, you look at um, Odell Beckham Jr. was in the pipeline for the men's national team and he couldn't afford uh, to play because it was all there was so much pay to play. And I think pay to play is still you know, it's maybe it's a necessary evil, but it's and it's still an evil. But I think it's being diminished a little bit um, yeah. slowly, but surely. And again, it's something else we kind of learned during the during the process of making this movie. But um, it's great. Yeah, creating so, opportunities will help. Uh, letting you know people into our country will help. Making soccer cool will help. And, yeah. So speaking of making soccer cool, did you? Your movie is the only one I care about right now. But did you see that uh, the movie about French street soccer? Yeah. On yeah. Concrete football. So concrete football. Yeah, Thank you. Watch the last Man, week, what a sick flick! Love that movie. And talk about making soccer cool. One of the one of the great. Uh, one of my favorite moments in that movie is when they when the kids are talking about how they want clothes that look cool and that they can ball in yeah. so that they can be on a date and then yep. go play soccer and impress their date. Yeah. That's like that's what the fuck I'm talking about. And like, you know, rappers being at the Atlanta FC games, yep. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the hip hop culture embracing soccer in Atlanta has been great. Um, we do some we do a little bit uh, about that in our movie. Um, but, you know, you see it now. I mean, I was up in New York last week and walking around Brooklyn, you know, there's so many like hipster bros wearing Premier League jerseys. Um, yeah. You know, and we did. Which might thing. mean that it's no longer cool. I'm not. Yeah, sure. I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's jumped the shark now. Like the guy's wearing like a man bun in a, in a, you know, in a jersey. But, um, you it's know, the supporters over. groups are great. Premier League is, is really helping fuel it too. Like they're so good at building fan base and a culture of soccer here with premier league live and things like that. Uh, we did a thing here a few weeks ago where man city, um, brought all the silverware we won last year to DC and like did this tour around DC surprised a fan with, with the trophy showing up at his office and then posted up at a bar, the supporters club bar that night. So, you know, whether it's business interested or community interested, whatever it is, there's an interest in growing soccer in America and all that's good. Right. I mean, 
the cooler we make it, the more people are playing it, the easier access we have to it. All that does is 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 encourage people to play and eventually deepen the talent pool, hopefully. So um to film this doc, you have been all over the the country and and more, uh talking to interesting people and talking to some very notable players. You got you got Mares, you got Sancho. Yeah. Got yeah, well, I've mixed emotions about Sancho. I mean, oh, to me, okay. to me, he's a bit of a traitor. But uh, unless oh, no. he buys him back next year, <laughs> yeah, no, that's no, right. No, I'm I kidding. forgot we're, the, the, that you're right. blue. Yeah, so I um, gotta put yeah. my uh, my city fandom aside a that's little. Right. We also that's took right. Pulisic's starting spot, so <laughs> true. we're on the same page, <laughs> my man. Yeah, true, true. So Sancho's the enemy. What I want to ask you is, what was your highlight of filming this this movie, or, or maybe a couple highlights? You know, experiences that that really stand out to you as a, a part of making it um that's such a good question uh it's been fucking awesome i mean there's been like it's really <laughs> i mean it's heat. tiring and i'm like really glad this isn't a video podcast because the bags under my eyes are legit <laughs> but, um, but i think you know kind of like the cheap answer the coolest part is like seeing that what we hoped was going to happen is already happening so i think that was the coolest overarching thing but then yeah. it's sort of individual moments like uh, you know, getting to interview Claudio Reyna was amazing. Um, Sick. That was dope. I mean, you know, he's, I was just looking at a list today and he's, you know, widely considered to be number one, two or three most important American player of all time. Uh, and such a good dude. Not Rushmore. So much for the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's a great guy. So that was definitely a highlight. Um, we have a, we have a running Mount Rushmore, which we had to take uh, Bruce Arena off of. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Uh, I don't know, but he's coaching Get the pickaxes, well now. guys. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a tough one. I mean, but even the real Mount Rushmore, you go back and look at it now, and you're like, how the fuck did that guy oh, get yeah. um, I want a couple of them so, back. Yeah, like, well, it's like a digital Mount Rushmore now, so you can yeah, exactly. people off. And yeah, it's a hologram that's got that's got Barack on it. Right, know, it's right. right. Live time. Um, uh, interviewing Raina was great. Um, in Philly, we got to... Hanging out with Mark and Austin was awesome. Yeah. Uh, spent a day with them and kind of went back to to the pitch where um, where Austin grew up playing, which is you know like I said, right outside of Chester. And just hanging out with those guys, and you know they're both like twenty and they're so smart and like so invested in growing the sport. Um, so that was that was really fun. Um, you know, for me, the fanboy stuff, obviously, working with NYCFC, which is one step removed from Man City, uh, has been great. And it's been, like, super encouraging to see like, how engaged in the community they are. So the time, we spent a lot of time filming there. I mean, I think it's probably, I think 50% of this movie will be in New York. Um, so that was cool. The Paris stuff is dope. Um, and uh, I don't know, what else? Um Oh, you know what was cool is we got to uh, spend time with Brianna Scurry, um, mm. who was oh sick, yeah, cool. she was just like Goat. coolest person, and like you know, in that first wave of the women's national team players, it sort of made it cool for women, and you know, it kind of started this unprecedented run of success. Um, so that was dope too, and uh, I don't know, man, it's all been cool. It's been great. Yeah. I want to. By the way, did I say Barack? I meant The Rock. The, the Rock, yeah. the Rock. That's yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the Rock is future, on my future president. <laughs> he's a Miami, the Hurricane. So that's right. You know, that's right. We started uh, defense 
Ackle to Warren Sapp took his spot. So, That's right. uh, oh my God. Um, uh, real quick, just want to share a quick story. I was on the on the Acela once for business, and I I go to connect my Wi-Fi, and I see Brianna Scurry's iPhone in the yeah. Wi-Fi list, which means I'm on the Acela with Brianna Scurry. And to my dying day, I'll always regret not scouring the aisles for Brianna Scurry. Just walking up and down. <laughs> so funny. Uh, you know what? She She's really cool, so she would have been up for chatting with you if you had. Um, so uh, hopefully, I yeah, gotta hopefully hit the we'll Acela. get her one of the premieres and you can, you can have your chance. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you specifically about uh, Trusty and, and Mackenzie. Because they, they, to me, like epitomize what we're looking for in our youth teams. Like they were, they were kids who have come through this system. And I think, you know, I think probably McKenzie a little bit more is like Europe ready soon. Yep. Um, but trusty even, I mean, he, he, he looks great. He's become an integral part of the team very early. And like, we're, we're, you know, with all due respect to the college system, we're not super interested in seeing more of our best players go yeah. route. so like the fact that these are like two homegrown kids who've come up together who've helped each other uh in the process like i think that's that's where we want to be so tell me you know a brief tidbit of of you know what they reported to you about how their narrative developed um and how like what kind of went right for them in their development that led them to the places they are yeah they different paths but kind of similar so um Austin, like you said, I mean, Austin's got great size um, and has been, you know, he's been on the, the U20 team and he's come through the system kind of in, in a more traditional way. Mark, you know, actually went to college for a year. Um, oh, I didn't know that. He, yeah, he went to Wake Forest for a year. Hmm. Um, and, and you know, to your point, like, you know, the American college soccer is not the developmental system and he knew that he had this ability to play at the highest levels and that coming through college you know wasn't his best path to do it so mark was actually born in the bronx and then moved out to delaware um with family when he was young and pretty quickly got on the on the radar um for the union um you know and then went down to wake for that one year and then um decided that his best path forward was going to be to come back up and he joined Bethlehem Steel, which I think is one of the coolest names of like any sports team there is. Oh, Steel. Um, it's right up there then, with Brooklyn Italians. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, so, um, so his pipeline is, you know, kind of the more traditional, uh, I'm sorry, the under, less traditional one, having gone through college and then, and then back into the, into the professional team. Um, and Austin's been there all, you know, all along. The cool thing with those guys is, you know, they play, more or less the same position. I mean, they're both defenders, yeah. really both ideally suited to be center backs. Um, and you know, they're best friends. Like, and you can tell, and, and you'll see in the movie, like, and how they interact with each other, that they really um, don't see, you know, I've seen play two center backs, so they don't see themselves as fighting for time, but as kind of iron sharpens iron. Um, mm-hmm. So they make each other better. And I think their friendship, will contribute to their success at least you know as long as they can stay in philly i mean they go to the national level you know obviously playing defense the partnership and the communication is such an important part of being good uh you know good in your at your job um but i don't know what's struggling with them is i think like how much they cared about it they both chose soccer over other sports you know they 
I think um, with Mark, he was a really good, I might be mixing this up, but Mark, I believe, is a good baseball player, too, and could have gone that route. And Austin, you know, is 6'4 or something, so obviously he's a basketball player. But they both chose soccer. And, you know, it's not, and we talked about this in, the, in our interviews with him, like, for, you know, two black kids from, from the inner city, for the most part, like, they tell their friends they're playing soccer, and their friend's like, wait, what? Um, so for them to kind of, you know, be on the tip of the spear, that was cool. They've been dedicated to it. They're really dedicated to nurturing young and up, younger than them and up and coming talent. Um, so you talk to guys like that and you, you know, it does get you excited about what's to come, um, for America, you know, that on a lot of levels that there's, you know, that there's not this stigma in communities that like soccer is not the cool sport anymore. That yeah, there's yeah. people who are making it, playing it, and making it cool, or not just you know hipsters in Brooklyn wearing it, but you know, <laughs> a black kid growing up in Chester can see, you know, Austin who grew up there and want to follow in his footsteps. Um, yeah, that's great. And you know, and their game is like, you know, the American game I think is adapting even at the MLS to a more European style. So, you know, they're teaching kids to play out of the back instead of just lofting long balls up. Um, you know, it's become more of a finesse game than sort of a brute force game which you know i mean if you look at the premier league it sort of had the same evolution right i mean 30 years ago premier league <laughs> defenders were all you know six two two twenty, and they just chop you down when you came through them um and now you got guys you know like zinchenko on cities i don't know he's probably five six or something like that and you know starting left back so Conte um, is the best player. You know, like the guy's tiny, like, guy's tiny like wiry. Pounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, so, yeah, but to be able to do that playing defense is great. Um, yeah. Mark and Austin both, you know, good sized guys. But yeah, I think it it speaks to the evolution of the game that it's not just a brute strength game that you can recruit players from other sports and uh, and that they are you know there are people who are making it cool and showing kids you know who look like them that hey you don't have to play basketball or you don't have to, you know, be football size. You can do play soccer. You can make a career of it. Uh, you can do And, and it's opportunity that. too, right? That's the hope is that this, uh, this presents like a solid option, um, you know, for people. And that's sort of maybe the world beyond pay to play is a world in which it's like, look, like, you know, you, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background, if you're amazing at this, we, we like, will really value that and support you in that. You know, that's like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I do think, you know, to some extent it might be the only sport where like you do not need to have a specific physical skill set to be great at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at, you know, I can bring it all back to city always, but like you know, Kevin De Bruyne looks like a normal dude. You know, he's good size. <laughs> he looks like, he looks like a, a pro less gamer. than athletic. He looks like, a, <laughs> looks, like a, looks like a ginger dude. Find me on like, Twitch. Check out my VR. Find me on Twitch, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but he's so smart and, like, you know, and, and so savvy and knows, like, where to move and these little body movements and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, the other thing I think that's helping soccer grow, which we haven't delved into much in our movie and we'll cover it a little bit, but, like, FIFA is super helping, which is crazy. Oh my God. Huge. Yeah. But like, I think it's like overlooked by like, like how into FIFA Huge. kids are and it's making them want to play soccer. So like, cool, man. Props EA sports make soccer better with FIFA. Yeah. yeah I'll br- briefly touch on that. Um, I, I believe FIFA is the reason we're here. I th- I'm so, pretty sure I can, I, I can confidently say that. Um, <laughs> and the, and you know, our background was we grew up in New York we played at uh, Pier 40, which I'm sure you, you uh, yeah. visited in the course of your, your travels. 
growing up, we were like maybe a 20 minute walk from there. Um, but what really ignited it, particularly for me, was was FIFA when I was in college. It gave me the opportunity to like explore and see all the different styles and and all you know learn all the different players, and then from there it kind of snowballed into more and more interest, and eventually discovering that the national team is kind of my thing uh, when it comes to soccer. And it's this like loop that you know you play, it's fun, you're too tired, you want to keep playing, you play FIFA, it gets you even more excited to wake right. up tomorrow and play, and like you know I. I I wish that it wasn't the case, but I think it's like actually one of the most important things for for U.S. soccer development is is this dumb video game. Yeah, and I actually but. think that the good the the funness of the game <clears throat> is evidence that soccer is the best game. Like it makes <laughs> yeah, exactly. it makes a better video game than any other sport, you know. And that's that is one of my one of my talking points. Anytime somebody doesn't like soccer. It's like, well, it makes yeah. the best video like, game. Random people really aren't does. playing I mean, like MLB the show. Football's fun. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. And the other thing with soccer is like, I think it's like the best TV product, you know? I mean, it's it's exactly two hours. Boom. So it's great for somebody out. to program. You know, 98 minutes of the two hours is action. So there's not a lot of downtime. I mean, I love football, NFL. But like, you know, let's be honest. There's eight minutes of action in a three-hour broadcast. So soccer is like a great TV product. Um, it's easy to cover, you know, it's pretty, I mean, you know, some of the rules are weird with, you know, offsides and now VAR is fucking everything up, but it doesn't <laughs> require, you know, anyone can kind of dip in and understand Don't it. Don't mess yeah. it up. FIFA. Um, yeah, it's like you go that way and you try to get it in that goal. Right. Well, and right. enjoy it. Now enjoy it. That's all you need to know. The red <laughs> guys, fun. there's the blue ones and the red ones and they're going opposite. Outside um, of the, uh. So, what ne- what teams do you guys support other than the U.S. men's national team? I literally support. I, I learned this about myself when Pulisic moved from Dortmund to Chelsea. I thought I might have become a, a, a you know a minor Dortmund fan. Turns out not true. I'm a <laughs> I'm a fishies fan. We call young young uh, American players fishies on this yeah. show. So if you got if you have the potential to have a fishy, I'm a fan of you. For some reason. I got attached to Reading FC uh, early on in my life. So I'm waiting for the day when I can watch them on TV again. I have never been able to get over it. Um, but yeah, in person, I lived in Seattle for three years. So those have been my best, uh, my best like soccer, you know, attending experiences because they have an awesome soccer culture there. Yeah, yeah I'm, in, I'm in the same one, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a, a minor uh, um, soft spot for Portsmouth FC in England who are in. League One, made, yeah, they're League the One now, right? Last year, um, visited there when we were kids, and kind of always stuck with me. Uh, but you know, even that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for FIFA. Got to play them on FIFA, even <laughs> even when I couldn't watch them all the time. So, <laughs> oh, is that with FIFA? If you can play like League One teams and, and down that far now, oh yeah, no, you can play. Awesome. You can play League Two. You can play. Um, I think can, maybe they have USL now. They, oh, they go really? deep. They go deep. There's there's some there's FIFA, some like 48 rated players in there. Yeah, we've talked about how, on this show about how FIFA has low key become the most reliable and consistent rating system for players that there is. There's it's like the amount of detail put into this is like incredible, and it's actually genuinely a solid resource. Yeah, but players, players, players get pissed when their ratings aren't good too. <laughs> but the most important thing about FIFA is that it makes people go play. In the street. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. 
And that's why we're here. We love that. We love that's the why idea. We're, here. we're so happy that you're doing this. Uh, and we want to, we want, I think everybody who listens to this show is going to be definitely inclined uh, to enjoy the film. So we, we, we're happy to be spreading the word and look forward to continuing as you uh, head towards your release. Uh, cool. And thank Should you we, so much. Yeah, definitely. Should we do some plugs real quick? Plug. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll do a couple quick plugs uh, if you don't mind. So People can follow us on social, um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's all at SITC movie. So soccer in the city movie. Um, when we were going to get that site, it kept getting confused with sex in the city like that. <laughs> show. But, um, but it's SITC movie. Uh, you say horrible us. show. That's good writing, man. Give it I a mean, second you know, chance. Carrie I've Mr. watched big like was very grossing for sure. <laughs> Um, so yeah, follow us on SITC Movie, um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're posting content up more and more as we get closer to cool. the first premieres, which uh, we can plug that. October 10th, we're having a screening in, in Washington, D.C., um, and then probably a week or so later, if we're working up the date, there'll be a New York one, and at some point a Philadelphia one, um, and then the film will be available in late october early november um we'll be able to share with you very soon where we're still in talks with um with the big with the big streaming services that you would think we'd be in talks with uh we have one offer and we're waiting for a couple others so we can play them off each other a little bit and uh but it'll be available nationwide worldwide everywhere um screening in new york screening in dc screening in philly um you know, people can, I don't even know what my Instagram is, but they can find it from the films if they want to see me post like random stuff about Man City or the New Orleans Saints every now and then. And I don't know. That's enough plugging, right? Is there anything yeah, else? Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, you know, what's your mom's Twitter? No, just kidding. No. Um, <laughs> so, content based on her texting skill. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, uh, Michael Holstein, we are so grateful not only for the work that you're doing in general uh, to boost this game, to bring us that much closer to the World Cup uh, on the soft skills side of things uh, by creating this movie. And uh, for joining us, for, for taking the time to hang out with us on this little upstart podcast that we love so much, dude. Thank you. Thank you. You for are being part with us. of the solution, Michael. Uh, yeah, thank you. Well, for most of my life, I've been part of the problem in whatever it is I did. It's good to be, good to be on the other side. side. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, we love what, you, what you're doing, too. And, you know, our, our missions are aligned. So let's, uh, let's keep it up and hope that we, we win a World Cup someday. It's we the people. It's we the people.